0: Listening to Particular Pilgrims, stories from Reformed Baptist history with commentary. I'm your host, Ron Miller, pastor of Covenant Baptist Church of Clarksville, Tennessee, and a longtime student and collector of Particular Baptist history. We're on the Man of God Network, brought to you by Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. Studying the lives of the children of well known Particular Baptist pastors can be instructive. In doing so, we are reminded of several important and practical scriptural truths. One is the great privilege of growing up in a God-fearing home. This is balanced by the truth that gospel privilege does not guarantee salvation. Yet another is that finishing well is better than merely beginning well. Today we'll look at the lives of two of Benjamin Keach's children, Elias and Hannah, and see these principles illustrated. Benjamin Keach was married twice, the first time at age 20 to a woman named Jane Grove. They had five children together, but only the middle three survived into adulthood. The son Elias and the second daughter Hannah are the subjects of our study today. Sadly, Jane died at the early age of 31, leaving Hannah aged three and Elias aged five without a mother. Eighteen months later, Benjamin married again, this time to a woman recently widowed named Susanna Partridge. She and Benjamin had four daughters reach adulthood. One of them, named Susanna after her mother, married a teacher in the church named Benjamin Stinton. After Benjamin Keach died, Benjamin Stinton became the pastor. The last daughter, Rebecca, married Thomas Crosby, another member of the church, who later became the English Baptist's first significant historian. And it's because of these connections that we know more information about Keach's children than perhaps we would ordinarily. If you know the name Elias Keach at all, it is probably because you have heard his conversion story, surely one of the most unusual in church history. But first, a little background. Elias was born in 1665, before the family moved to London. He lost his mother at age five and gained a stepmother at age seven. Both women were known as exemplary Christians, and so Elias was raised in a home full of gospel light. But he rejected his mother's counsel and his father's preaching. He did not believe, and so was not a member of his father's congregation. At the age of 19, that is in 1684, he left London to go to the American colonies. He arrived in Pennsylvania and realized he needed to provide for himself. So he decided to pass himself off as a minister. Hear the story as told by Morgan Edwards, a Baptist pastor and historian from the 1700s. He was son of the famous Benjamin Keach of London arrived in this country a very wild spark. On his landing, he dressed in black and wore a band, and by that he means um, he has the dress of a clergyman, a Protestant clergyman, sometimes called uh, Geneva Bands. It's a simple black robe that one wears over your clothes to show your position. The project succeeded to his wishes, and many people resorted to hear the young London divine. He performed well enough till he had advanced pretty far in the sermon. Then, stopping short, he looked like a man astonished. The audience concluded he had been seized with a sudden disorder, but on asking what the matter was received from him a confession of the imposture, with tears in his eyes and much trembling. Great was his distress though it ended happily, for from this time dated he his conversion. Uh, Just as a side note, this means he is one of the few men in Christian history who are known to have been converted through their own preaching. Elias heard that there was a Baptist minister at Cold Spring in Bucks County between Bristol and Trenton. To him he repaired to seek counsel and comfort and later by him was baptized and even ordained. The minister's name was Thomas Dungan. From Cold Spring, Mr. Keach came to Pennepeck and settled a church there as before related, and then traveled throughout Pennsylvania and the Jerseys preaching the gospel in the wilderness with great success, insomuch that he may be considered as the chief apostle of the Baptists in these parts of America. Over the next eight years, Elias became prominent in the Philadelphia Baptist churches. While he pastored the church at Pennepec, also known as the Lower Dublin Baptist Church, he also established several others in the area, and he led the churches into the use of the 1689 Confession with his father's additions. He also found a wife from the Philadelphia area in 1687. Her name was Mary Moore, and she was the daughter of a very prominent Quaker political leader in Philadelphia named Nicholas Moore. Interestingly, in the same year that Justice Moore died, both his wife Mary and his daughter Mary married prominent Baptists. I can't help but wonder if there was some kind of a conversion uh, that happened in the Moore household. About 20 years ago, I lived in the area around Philadelphia that the Moors once owned. In fact, I lived on Moreland Avenue, named for Justice Moore. A few miles away was the Lower Dublin Church Building and Cemetery, this from 1805, and it's still in use today. And a grandchild of Elias and Mary built a home just a few blocks away from my past home, and it's next to the library established by the pastor who succeeded Elias, a man named John Watts. So this is an area full of early colonial Baptist history. Elias and Mary eventually returned to London in 1692, and there he began preaching. In the course of six months, over 130 people were converted and baptized. So a church was formed on the north side of uh, London opposite side from his father, and Elias was their pastor. His ordination was performed by his father and another eminent particular Baptist, Pastor Hercules Collins. But Elias only had seven years of ministry left. He published books on justification and sermons on patience, a hymn book, and a statement of faith, and preached constantly Sometimes to very large audiences of upwards of 1,500. But at the age of 34, he took ill and died, seemingly much too early. His influence was greatest, though, in the colonies. His work established several new Baptist churches and strengthened others, and it was from this group that came the Philadelphia Confession of Faith and the Philadelphia Baptist Association, which was of prime importance in the spread of particular Baptist doctrine and life throughout the colonies. Hannah's story is in some respects the opposite of her brother's. Of course, she lost her mother and gained a stepmother just as Elias did, but she made a profession of faith, was baptized and joined the Baptist church, pastored by her father. She married and became Hannah Green, but all was not well in her soul. At the age of 29, she left her church membership and joined herself to Joseph Stennett's Seventh Day Baptist Church. This was an orderly transfer. That is, it was approved by both churches, but it signaled that Hannah was reconsidering her fundamental views of religion. Later in that year, Stennett had to report to the church that Hannah, quote, was frequenting Quaker meetings and seemed somewhat tainted with some of their principles, By April of 1697, she had clearly embraced Quakerism. Stennett says that Hannah had, quote, spoken of the scriptures with contempt. Remember that Quakers at this time taught that uh, the Bible was simply a book. What was really needed was an inner light, an inner word of God. Hannah also denied the resurrection of the body. She argued against the ordinances of baptism and the Lord's Supper, and she had even opened her shop on the Sabbath day. She refused all efforts to bring her back to the truth, and so she was finally excommunicated, being found guilty of apostasy. This would have been of the greatest spiritual concern to her father, He rightly considered Quakerism to be false religion and had written a book against it. To see his daughter fall away from the faith must have caused him deep sorrow. Hannah did keep some family ties in place. Thomas Crosby, you'll remember that's her brother-in-law and church historian, tells that she visited her father on his deathbed in 1704. Here is his moving description. A little before expiring, his daughter Hannah, who was among the people called Quakers, came in to see him, whom, when he saw, he endeavored to talk with and showed a great eagerness and desire to do so, but his speech failing prevented him. He would not preach another sermon to Hannah. This reminds us that gospel privilege doesn't guarantee salvation and finishing well is better than merely beginning well. Thank you for listening today. This is Ron the Baptist wishing you grace and peace. ¶¶